Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Creasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello once again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. Thanks very much for tuning in to American Tennis. I have been off uh, off the air for a while here, probably a month or two, and. Uh, Folks, tell you the truth, boy, it's a long story, and I don't know if I want to use up uh, the time that I have to tell the story, but uh, I am very, very glad to be back. A couple things prompted this. I had a recent uh, friend of mine said, what's going on with your radio program? And I said, well, I have been told that, you know, everybody has now podcasts that you look at over the internet and all that, and you have to have a video and all this, and that means more, more technology for me. And um, by the way, this is the start of year 11 with American Tennis. It's it's year it's the start of 11 year 11, and uh, June 2nd we celebrated 10 years. If you can believe that one. But my friend said, you know, maybe you ought to start video. And I said, yeah, gosh, more technology. And uh, he he called me. He said, look. How about doing that Instagram thing? I said, well, what in the world is that? And uh, most of you out there probably know what that is. And uh, he said, look, just do about 90-second videos, send them to me, and I'll try to get them out there. And so I've sent him four or five, and he's put them out there, and I haven't looked at them yet anywhere. I I think there a few of my friends have said they've seen them. But (laughs) you can go to the Instagram thing and see some of these videos. I'm trying to get out some blurbs there. But here's here's the point. I've I've said very very often. Um, uh, one of my very good friends told me one time. He said, "Chuck, you you make a lot of good points, but you've got to be able to make a difference. And how in the world do you make a difference now, in this world where there are so many platforms uh, for speaking and everything? It's like trying getting right information is like trying to drink water out of a fire hose. It is just really really difficult." And, and and if you do get a following, then uh, you know you really do want to make sure that you send some good material out there. And 
and uh, you want to make sure that it's relative and you want to make sure that it's good you want to make sure that it's true and honest and, and things there's just a lot of stuff out there isn't there and um, you know you we don't really know what is true what is not true with the media anymore and on all these different different levels but I've been prompted to get back out and try this and then so recently I signed up for this class, uh, actually out of Hillsdale College, or they give free online classes, and they've got this one on C.S. Lewis. It's an introductory uh, course, and of course C.S. Lewis during World War II was one of the greatest orators or teachers, um, spiritual teachers for sure, but um, you know he wrote Narnia and all that, and he, he used to be buddies with uh, Tolkien. And they used to actually have a group that got together at the end of the day, and they would talk over things. And it, so he, he's—if uh, you haven't heard of C.S. Lewis, look at look up look at his stuff. But one of the fantastic works he has is called Abolition Abolition of of Man. And um, the you know the start of it, you know, um, I hadn't read it, but they were explaining it in the in the course that I'm listening to. Uh, but he said um, one of the one of the greatest evils in the world basically is uh, the compromising of of truth, or the um, you know my mother used to say, and he's, my, I always quote her because my golly she used to hit us with them uh, every day as we walk out the door. You know, soap is cheap, books are free, never be dirty or dumb. Don't take any wood nickels today, son. Hey, son, the world promises you buckets of rhinestones. Try to make one diamond with your life. On and on and on and on. But the the bottom line on the thing with um, one of the things that she said that was it just always stuck with me was, son, always uh, pray and hope for the the skill of discernment or the gift of discernment where you can tell the difference between right and wrong, true and false, and uh, and we and we live actually in a, an age now where people people really everything's turned so upside down, isn't it? That uh, we don't we don't like to define what is true, what is not, what is right, what is wrong. It's sort of how you feel in things. And my golly, I was always taught feelings don't matter. So anyhow, but when I when I read that, I just thought about how we've compromised our great sport of tennis. So I, I was thinking about doing uh, the abolition of tennis, and that just sounds so negative. So I've, I have titled this program uh, Preventing the Abolition of Tennis. And um, I want to just point some things out that we really need to go to work on, and this means if you're in leadership in tennis in our country or if you're just somebody that's a casual player or if you're a college coach or if you're a professional coach, if you're listening to this broadcast, you know, in in another country and overseas, but we we basically need to accept a challenge here and make sure that we preserve and protect the the heritage and history and the heritage of the greatest sport there is. But uh, a friend of mine uh, called. I talked to her actually today. In it for years, and, and and she said to me, she said, you know, Chuck, you're a fighter. You have to fight for stuff, and I, I do believe that we have to do that. But again, making a difference is much different than just making points. I've made so many points over the 
things that we have done wrong. And um, I, I need to say some things we've done right, I guess, starting out and the things we've done right. I think the biggest thing is if you really, really use your head and you, you, you put your uh, efforts out there, there's still lots of great, great opportunities to play this great sport and to to really become successful at it because there's such great great information out there and whether it's on the internet or people who are on the know or the coaches and things i mean when we were growing up of course i've said before i never had lessons i went to the park every day and played this great sport and the sport was great i knew it was great because of what happened inside of me or what happens inside of you the challenges the the the, the drama that you go through the dilemmas the ups the downs the decisions you have to make but but it, but the great sport has uh it will survive and has survived but one one of the <laughs> one of the dilemmas right now and I want to talk about this and I don't want to again <laughs> my disclaimer is I don't want to be a daggone e whore or you know pig pen what 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 in Charlie Brown was e whore was the I think he was the doggone um, donkey that was always so negative and I don't want to do that absolutely do not want want to do that but this month or this week tennis magazine I think it was tennis magazine one of the great tennis periodicals had none of pickleball on the front cover pickleball all right now have you ever seen a golf magazine that has miniature golf on the front of a magazine? No, and you never will. Pickleball is the miniature golf of tennis. That's the way we need to look at it. And why has tennis, why is pickleball thriving and seem to be doing well? There's a couple of things. It's it's so easy to play. It's easy to pick up, but again, easy to pick up becomes easy to put down. Hard to pick up becomes hard to put down. Tennis has survived so many things for the 148 years it's been here in the States, or been in existence, I guess, 148 years. Uh, it has survived in spite of all of the storms and all of the things it's been through because the greatness of the sport itself it is absolutely the chess of uh, all sports. It, it is. It is. I don't have to say anything else, except I learned at a park. Didn't know how to do any of it, as you have. But the minute we started playing, we were intrigued by it because it was difficult to do, and it was hard to play. And then the things that happen on the inside of a person, the character development, the discipline, the work ethic. The sportsmanship, all of the things that you need in your life just about as a young person, we were introduced to those in many ways by tennis. And uh, I don't think, I don't see pickleball doing that. Sorry, folks, pickleball. Now, pickleball relevance, it's relevant and it's existing because I think of the free market. It's because of the free market. Actually, Coach Randy Blumenthal, I'll give him credit for seeing this to me recently and it's really true the the free market they just they just go play and they have a good time and they play and there's maybe they're going to botch it up with too much instruction and they might botch it up with 
too much paralysis by analysis. We're going to start uh, with uh, these all of these expert analysis and dynamics and computer programs and statistics. I don't know. But right now I think it's existing for one reason, one reason only, the free market. It's easy to pick up. It's easy to put down. However, the lack of depth in it, it will this will be something that will not be around. So it's very, very frustrating to me. I think a mistake. I'm going to point this out at the start, USTA. Mistake, mistake. You guys, your job is protect and to protect the history and the heritage of our great sport of tennis first. United States Tennis Association. You know, I guess you're going to be the United States Racket uh, Sport Association. What would that be called? U.S. R.S. whatever, R.S.A. You know, so not good, not good, and that's my opinion. And this USA, and I have the, uh, I can have my opinion, and I'm going to. But again, I think pickleball. It's it's uh, to have that on the front cover. Uh, my friend told me that uh, she and many other people canceling their subscriptions. But what what are you trying to do to bleed that in there, folks? What 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 what, what was that? That that isn't a a good thing. It doesn't honor our game, and uh, we feel slighted. Here's the problem: they're gra- they're getting all in bringing in pickleball and all maybe these other racket sports. They might be think we're getting new members. Well, but the, you're making the same mistake. The same mistake as a lot of organizations make. <clears throat> You're going to throw out. I don't say throw out the baby with the bathwater here, but you're going to no, you're going to throw out your foundation of um, the the rock solid lovers of the game. I know that at, at the stage in life I'm at, I fought. I felt so many times, folks, that I'm fighting windmills. Uh, you know, Don Quixote out there and. Why am I continuing on? I'm continuing on this battle against what's going on in tennis <clears throat> because I really feel that it's it's wrong. It's 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 very very wrong. I don't believe that uh, you know the, just the past 15 or 20 years. Oh, alas, we've gotten so smart now. We figured out that we are going to shape the future here and we're going to change this great sport. I've often thought that. If some of the greatest professional players that ever lived got together and they said, you know, we're going to change the sport and we're going to do abbreviated scoring and we're going to do this, this, and this, and this with the game of tennis, uh, we just think it would be a good idea. I think that people would be appalled. But somewhere, somehow, there is some organization or some deep state. Is there a deep state of tennis? Is there a deep state out there? But there's somewhere, somehow some way <coughs> that somebody is pushing this thing and pushing the abbreviations and things, and it just doesn't make sense otherwise. So I've been wondering why why so much push to change such a wonderful, fantastic sport. Okay, so we're going to go through, uh, we'll maybe be able to answer some of that, but I'm going to go through some of the things that they're botching up here and. We're going to have a shorter program today, but I'm going to try to get through uh, most most of them. And I'm going to start with the very, very obvious uh, things where we're making a big, big mistake. And let's prevent the abolition of tennis. Let's, let's uh, instead of, uh, 
you know, not the, the one of the things that the guy said on that course that I was listening to the C.S. Lewis course was said the the greatest evil, the greatest evil in the world, really is is um, you know pursuit of average. And, and the dumbing down of, of beauty and the dumbing down of excellence and the dumbing down where we do not any longer as a human being, uh, whether we have ten opinions, let's have ten opinions, but when those ten opinions become all the same, it's very, it's, it's, it's extremely bad, extremely bad. That's not the way we were made. We were made to be unique individuals on the inside and out and folks. You be number one in the world. I tell all my kids that I teach and all the players, you don't have to be the best in the world, but you've got to be number one in the world at being who, who you are and who you were meant to be. So let's start here. I think probably the the biggest mistake that the USTA is making right now are, is the top-down management. Now, there's a lot of countries that do top-down management, socialist countries over in Europe. Of course, the communist countries are the – you know, some of those countries, they do all top-down management. And that, frank, very frankly, without with uh, you have to have free market and you have to have free incentives and you have to be able to cut people loose to do what, what they need to do. But uh, the top-down management, the USTA has taken on this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give – I've got something here on my desk. So there's a little town in South Carolina here called Belton, Belton, South Carolina. Now, every year they run what they call the Palmetto Championships. Now, these are the junior championships, and every state have these championships. On front cover, they show 1957, the great Paul Scarpa as a teenage boy playing Bobby Burns, who Bobby Burns has passed away, but Bobby was a great player. He played at, at, at Clemson back in the 60s, and... Uh, these were two South Carolina uh, youngsters, and it has a picture of them. They battled for the finals of the Belton, the Palmetto Championships, and they pl- they played five sets that day. They played three out of five sets. I think Scarpa ended up winning. But that was in 1957. Now, that's been 65 years ago. 65 years, it says on this thing, a South Carolina tradition, tennis tradition, since 1957. Now, if you would ask any, <clears throat> this feeds into the next thing I'm going to tell you about the, 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 you know, the point system. Well, I can just tell you the point system, the number two thing, point system. Tim Wilkinson made a statement, and he said, kids don't play for points. They play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. And I, I don't think there has been a, a wiser, a better statement made. And I, I, I heard this some five, six years ago. Uh, Tim, Tim Wilkinson say this, I completely agree. Um, but think about this. If you would ask any any youngster in the state of South Carolina 10 years ago, five years ago, would you rather be ranked number one in the state of South Carolina based on points or would you rather win the Palmetto Championship in Belton, South Carolina? Now, folks, we're talking about a mecca of tennis. We're talking about 6,000 people population but they ran this tournament there, and it was a seven- or eight-day event, and people were thrilled. I mean, the newspapers and would, would ride up the draws, and it was very well covered. Okay, so 
what if you ask them, would you rather be number one in the state or would you rather win Belton? Not even close. It's a Belton, a Belton title. If you ask any youngster uh, who's going to Kalamazoo in about another month, uh, 16 or 18 boys, would you rather be number one in the United States in junior tennis or win Kalamazoo? It's not even close. They'd like to say I won Kalamazoo. If you ask any tennis player in the world, would you rather be number one in the world or win Wimbledon? Not even close. I would say nine out of ten would say Wimbledon, be a Wimbledon champion. So what we've done is we've really diluted, polluted, prostituted, if you want to say that, but we've diluted and polluted our tournaments. Here's what we've done. So USTA comes in, they have top-down management, and they say, oh, Belton, ah, wait a minute, small town, 6,000 people, nearest hotels are here, here, here. Wait a minute, they only have five five courts at their main site. Now they do have the high school and recreation courts. Going, They used to play in people's backyards. It was so fantastic the way they ran this event. They had, and what, so... They 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 came in and said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, let's see, you guys don't have this, 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 you don't pass that checklist, and uh, and I don't want to say that things are going off in my head like, you know, hey, it's too hot there in the summer or whatever, but for whatever reason, the USTA made them a level four or maybe a five, four, so now all the best players don't play because it doesn't give enough points. So uh, it, this is all over the United States, the Peach State in Georgia. We used to have the Indiana Central, Indiana State qualifying, you know, I forget in, at the place when I was in, in, in uh, grew up in Indiana. But that was a huge event. And then you would win there. Then you would go and play in the state, champion, state championships, and you play the regional championships, and you could go on. And you making it to Kalamazoo was a big deal. Well, we we've we've made a big different big big problem there of the point system. So USTA, what I'm telling you is, kids do not play for points. Parents might, but no, we're teaching the kids to play for points now. It's very interesting how one of my friends called me and said, "You would not believe we had a big level something. I don't know level three blue group US." State, I don't know how they rate these things. I've been in coaching for 53 years, and I still, still don't understand uh, what, what, how they, how they do all this system. But it's top-down management, easy for the com- guys in the computer rooms to run the tournaments. And so here we go. They, uh, they regulate these tournaments to, uh, to a, to a dumbed-down status, but. It, it should not be that way. It should be bottom-up. Now, what we also do is we kill the initiative. We, we kill initiative on the people who ran that tournament at Belton, all the volunteers, people the volunteers wanted to be. But you kill the ground troops. When you send directives from top down all the time, you kill initiative. The key to power USTA, the key to power is empowering those under you. Power should be implied. It does not have to be exhibited. I think they were saying part of the reason the Dagon Russians are struggling so bad is they have so much top-down management that, you know, spirits are low. And you, you don't, you can't, that's probably, I've gone off on a tangent there, and I, you know, bring bring back, but the, this is not about politics or whatever, but think about, 
why government organizations, whether it's the DMV or the post office or anything run by government, government health care or whatever, why it always fails, top-down management. You've got to have competition. It's the American way. That's the only way that you will have champions. That's the only way you, have, you will have real champions that are spirit-filled. You may have ro- robotical champions with top-down system, but you, but you have to, you, you, you just absolutely have to uh, inspire kids. Kids play for tournaments of heritage and rivalries, but my friend told me they had 51 defaults in this backdraw. Kalamazoo, three years ago, I counted 55 defaults in the backdraw at the national championships. The national championship, because kids are calculating how many points do I get, how many points do I not get. Bad, bad, bad. Okay, number three here, lack of trust. Well, you know, with that green ball deal about 10 years ago, people were fighting. They weren't fighting against green ball, which is a very good teaching tool. I use it still. I don't use the orange ball or red ball. I use uh, the Dunlop speed balls are awesome. I use them for kids so the kids don't know, not molest the stroke. I said rotation, rotation, no stroke molestation. That's what I talk until <laughs> I can. I still teach those, but it's a teaching tool. The minute the USTA came in and said, "No, no, we're going to do the green dot," they they do this over in France or Spain or somewhere else. Guys, we're we're not that. Our, our independent thinkers were saying, "Okay," so we did lip service and let them put lines all over our courts, all over the United States. How much did that cost? How much waste was that? And the thing was a bomb, wasn't it? So we lost trust in the decision-making there. Okay, another thing, big, big mistake, Lake Nona. Huh, has that ever worked? Where they make a big, big uh, place, central location, and then they run everything from one place like that. You know, and and listen, listen, I, I... Let's say that, that place, I'm not going to go into it and what I, what I said about it, but they could have made that place like uh, St. Andrews in golf or uh, Wimbledon for tennis or somewhere. When you go down there, the first, two, the first 200 yards should be nothing but memorabilia and historical uh, museum and things about the history and the heritage of our game. Instead, you look like you're going into a corporate building a big a white office building and dag gone. You want to make something sterile? And not not good, not good. But I just the whole concept of that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but somebody. You could look, look. We we need to protect the history and the heritage of the game. Our game has great traditions. We people need to be able to walk into that place and have goosebumps. Not like, wow, wait a minute, we better do this right and this right and this right. we got to get the people who are the, by nat nature and the way they are, managers, we've got to get them out of the decision-making processes. You know, uh, would micromanagers get them out of the decision-making process? Let's get creative people in there that understand that it's passion that motivates it is a cause that motivates. It is the heart that motivates. It's not fancy stuff. But so the Lake Nona thing, USTA, PTA is in there. Gosh, PTR, do not go down there. Do not become part of that daggone pickleball. 
Okay, pickleball, I might as well throw in miniature golf. But, uh, folks, the pickleball stuff, it's really interesting what's going on. Hey, listen, but let it fly on its own. Tennis leaders, let it fly on its own. Don't be afraid and then try to suck it into our organization. We don't want our organization, real tennis people, don't want pickleball as the go-to like it's a great thing. You know, I mean, it's you got a lot of people out who were pro tennis players trying to make money at it, something like that. They're going to market it, and the minute they market it, the minute they take away the engine, the the the, the own the ownership, the um, their own way of doing things, the freedom. Once they start marketing it too much and botch it up, that thing is not going to do that well, you know. And that's just saying, okay. Another thing, where would where'd we botch up? Tournaments. Holy cow, you want to get be poor? You know, you want to be poor? Take your kid to tournaments in a row. You know, and, and uh, short story, I had a friend go to a tournament. Tournament lasted four days. That means four nights in hotels or three or four nights in a hotel. Food, everything. What In the end, their youngster got to play for $1,200, you want to do the math, folks, $1,200, they got to play a total of 50 games, okay, 50 games. So, you know, it comes down to, what, $24 a game. He spent $1,200 that week, $24. Now, they had to play no ad. You would see where I'm going here, folks? They had to play no ad, okay, so... It actually, wow, it cost $3.33 or something, $3.50 a point, a point, $3.50 a point for their kids to play. Look, tournaments cost a lot because, because of referee expenses. Well, that's a big deal, too. And it ties in with what I got next. The code. We used to just play by the code. We didn't have to have 15 referees running around calling foot faults and, you know, uh, trying to outdo each other with the, with the who could be the biggest, um, you know, uh, biggest personality there. You know, you don't, you don't need to. We never used referees my first 10 years in coaching, folks. The code was what people used. Now, with no ad scoring, the cheating is flagrant, and people – because they're getting cheated, they learn how to cheat, they say they're defending themselves, and we, we look like a bunch of little punks out there, you know, on edge all the time. The kids, the lack of passion. For you referees, I'm going to get on you here a second, but a lot of you run around and you want everything so uniform. It's very organized, all right, but I see very, very little passion out there on the courts. I'd rather have some kids getting in trouble a little bit. I'd like to see, uh, you know, it's easier to tame a roaring tiger than an inspired timid pussycat, folks. And, uh, you know, we, we need our kids to have a little bit more passion. They look like a bunch of robots sometimes. I went to this 14-under event, and the referees had great control of it, but it, there was no passion out there. Mainly we're not teaching. We're not teaching our kids the code and what the sports, real sportsmanship is about. Instead, we hire more referees. Bad and, and the wrong thing. But it goes back, the tournaments cost too much. A lot of the tournament directors, you guys know, you're trying to make some money. We used to have servants 
like um, at the Palmetto Championships, we used to, wow, in South Carolina, I bet we had 10 workers there just giving their hearts for eight days just to do something great for the kids. And that is few and far between now. Nowadays, folks, people are trying to cash in. They're trying to market and run. Where else are we botching them? Score abbreviations. I don't need to go through all this. Hey, go to that uh, that thing I'm doing. The, what the heck is it called? Oh, snap, 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 crap. No, 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 sorry, sorry. Snapchat something. Anyhow, <laughs> we're, we're going to that, but I'm trying to address the score abbreviations. And I want to ask you all a question. Why in the world? Would they battle for so long to do such an abominable thing and to cut our sport the way they do? I'm going to give you just a thing to hang on to real quick here, something that um, I've, I've given you to all of the reasons. It's an eight-point swing. The cheating is out of hand. All these things that are just ridiculous. But have you ever understood, thought about the, destru- the, the destruction of the learning, the, the the breaking down of the learning process. I mean, kids learn how to lengthen rallies, then they learn how to lengthen points, then they learn how to lengthen games, then they learn how to lengthen sets, then they learn. Now, now this is all the process, mind you. This is all process. The kids have to go through these steps to be good. Okay, they learn to lengthen games, then they learn to lengthen sets, then they learn to lengthen matches then they learn to lengthen tournaments they learn how to get to the later rounds then they learn how to lengthen their seasons and their careers it's all part of the process and one of the best analogies my friend had told me and this is very true that in baseball you know you have your at bats and when they do shorten it for um <clears throat> the the shortened games they'll go instead of 9 innings to 7 games 7 innings for some of the high school games and things, okay. But they never shorten the at-bats. Shorten at-bats would mean when it got to be a full count, three balls, two strikes, next pitch you either, you're out or you either go to first base, one or the other. So consequently, what would happen? That pitcher would never have to pitch. You could figure it out. <laughs> he would never have to really pitch uh, an extra amount of pitches. Everybody knows that if you have long at-bats, that pitcher, after 60, 70, 80 pitches, he has to sit down, you know, in the lower age group. So you get to you basically work on a pitcher. Po- folks, folks, I mean, in tennis, you have to be able to break down the server, don't you? You have to be able to break serve. Now, that's not just done by hitting big shots. It's done by you basically learn how to return the ball and make them play tough point after tough point after tough point. And pretty soon then the players the server starts missing first serves. And now and then they'll throw in double fault, and then that's how you break them. You have to break them down. You don't just hit winners on the things. So the score, the score abbreviations are really bad. Okay, let's move on. No code. I've already talked about the code. The history and the heritage of our sport has to be taught. Shame, shame, shame on us. Golf has just smoked us. They're doing so many things to hang on to their uh, good college players now. They've just created a thing in golf for college golfers. If they stay all four years, I think they're top 25 or something, get exemption into this uh, entry-level tour would be something like, I guess, our challengers or 
our uh, futures or something like that. Um, but they, they, they really, but they protect the history and the heritage. No player is more important than the sport itself. We have marketed our players more than we have the sport itself, and we, uh, the history and the heritage has not been taught. So most, most players don't know even who the great Rod Laver was. By the way, you want to read the folks, read Rod Laver an autobiography by Triumph Books. It was out a couple of years. Best tennis book. I make all my players read that book. You want your child to be um, love the sport of tennis, read that. But uh, history and heritage has to be taught. Marketing over to sports prison preservation. You know, we, we've tried to market this sport and market it and market it and market it. And those guys, what we haven't done also is we have not we have not protected our sport against the marketeers, these people who might profit off of sports. And I really believe that there are marketeers that are profiting over our uh, the abbreviation of our scoring system and, and uh, making it shorter. And that's another whole different subject. But I believe the marketeers have driven that. We do not have educators making these rules. I dare you, call me and tell me you're an educator if you're trying to dilute, pollute, prostitute our sport by dumbing it down so bad. Folks, have we botched up another thing? We botched up college and high school tennis. I'll put it in the same category. First of all, team tennis is good for introduction to the sport and for kids, you know, when you're trying to get kids playing league tennis here and there. Although... You know, the history, the pride, the history, and the heritage of our club system has really been hurt by this, these, these teams. What happened to our club championships? What happened to our uh, one club against another club and um, the tournaments that were run and the helping out and things like that? Now, tennis has gone more community, I understand. So, you know, it, it really is. But, but team, ten, team tennis, here's the point. Team tennis is... Um, done for introductory levels tournament tennis would be much better in our college level tournament tennis would be much better at a high school level high school tennis is very much an after-school activity it's just it's a dumbed down oh my golly they play no ad they play abbreviated sets they do all this stuff but think about how good a tournament tennis could be for high school uh, kids if say four high schools got together Every other weekend, and they put together a 24 or 32 draw, let kids go at it, play tournament tennis, so you'd end up with a winner. In high, in high school, we do, oh, I was the big winner. I was 38-1 at number five singles. Okay, that's nice for one time at entry level, but after, you know, we, ha we have our youngsters always dumbed down into the same level with tournament, with Team tennis, you're dumbed down all the time. Uh, if you're always playing a number four guy, always playing a number six guy, and then the number one guy always has to play number one guys, and they never get a break. Normal tournaments, you need to get easier rounds. The first two middle round, middle rounds, you get about your level in semis and finals. You learn how to play people above you, below you, and even with you. But college, forget it. Gosh, we've just botched up. How in the world is College baseball gets 64 games. Uh, 
College tennis gets 25. Are you telling me that baseball has to have that much, many more games? What do you think we'd do if they said they dumbed down college baseball to 25 games? Hey, but, wait a minute. Basketball has 32. Are you kidding me? Wait a minute. Football is going to have 15. Tennis? Wait a minute. Tennis so excruciatingly tough that we only get 25 matches a year? You've got to be kidding me. Shame on our leaders for allowing this to happen. Shame on you guys. You need to go to battle. We need at least 40 matches a year to be relevant. High schools, you guys can do better. Play more tournaments. Every other weekend, do tournaments. Play dual matches now and then for introductory levels. Got so so many things. Adult adult tennis could be done so much better. I want to say, you know, one of the demises of um, senior tennis and why pickleball is taken off is that uh, the I've often said this, but when you know the introduction of high tech rackets, folks, you've got the racket, you've got the ball, you've got the court. The court dimensions have not changed. Maybe you could change those, prop up the net, make the serving back a little further, or something to slow it down somewhat. I don't, I don't know. There've been talks like that, but that didn't change. But they allowed the rackets to change. It'd be like professional players in golf. With the new, with the balls and the equipment, getting to play the old short courses they did. Well, they out hit all the trouble as it is now. It just makes the game irrelevant. Well, the ball striking has overcome the movement. In senior tennis, in the women's, it's not been too bad with women's doubles. They don't play singles, really. So women's doubles, it works out okay. Uh, but in men's tennis, if you want to be frustrated, go out and play some singles against a 65-year-old guy, and they just slam balls, and it's just it's not fun. So that's why pickleball has caught on so much. The symmetry of the game has been screwed up. I have called down to USTA three or four times. I sent an email to, to people. I sent an email to one of the manufacturers recently. Here's my idea, folks. Maybe you can push this. We need a special ball for seniors called the gold standard or something. Don't use the green ball. They don't want to use a kitty ball. Okay, I, when I'm 90 years old, because I played Indiana basketball growing up, if there's a 10-foot goal and a 6-foot goal or 8-foot goal, I'm shooting at the 10-foot goal, even if I don't get it up there. But here's the point. Men don't want to play with those little kitty balls, the green dot balls. They do not want to play with that. Neither do the women. They want to use regulation equipment. But how about a ball called the gold standard maybe or something like that, a a ball that's got a little bit more fur on it, a little bit more fuzz, maybe a little bit less compression, but it's, it could be a special ball for senior tennis. I guarantee you we would get back a lot of those pickleball people that they're going to be bored of that game very, very quickly. The social part of pickleball is good, but they're going to be bored. Now, folks, I am running out of time. I've got a few more things here I wanted to cover, but we will be back on Wednesdays. I'm going to uh, start having guests on again, and I want to get people on to talk because, you know, it's pretty interesting. I felt very, very happy about this is that when I stopped doing the program for about a month or so, I had some people just asking, when is your program on? And they told me they'd listen to the program and things. So thank you out there if you do listen. 10 years and listen I I'm going to stay in this game and I'm going to be battling and I you know I want to a guy called me Obi-Wan the other day the tennis 
<laughs> I go, nah, probably probably ain't good. I, you know, I don't, you know, I, uh, I'm just battling for the sport that I love, and uh, I, I hate to even bring that up. That's that's a little bit, uh, you know, but I, I I love the sport of tennis. If you're like me, I've been in 53 years. I owe so so much of my my life, the people I've met, my experiences. Everything I owe to tennis, but I hate to see it cut up like it is. And uh, the abolition does not need to happen. Does not need to happen. So I want to give a couple of things. A shout out, a good shout out to the Davis Cup is going back. That hybrid system that they tried to come up with and say, "Hey, we're going to try this." The uh, players said, "Uh-uh, we ain't doing that. Uh-uh, we ain't doing this. We're not dumbing down." We, uh, you know, we're not we're not going to go that go that way. Um, how much to speak out? You look, a squeaky wheel gets the oil, but if it squeaks too loud, it gets removed. We have a duty, not just something we should do. We have a duty. If you love this sport of tennis, to speak out. And look, I talk all the time to people that just think. That this no ad scoring or tiebreaker for the thirds best thing since sliced bread, folks. Folks, real quick on this tiebreaker for the third, it does so much damage, so much damage underneath, because kids do not have that marked rite of passage that you get when all the learning takes place in that tough third set. When you beat somebody in a tough three set match, you have made rite of passage. When you win a tiebreaker for the third set, it's like You've wrestled for six rounds, and now you're going to box for 20 seconds and get it over with. Let's just get it over with. Well, when you do that and you win, it's, it's really not a clean win, is it? And when you lose, it doesn't bother you enough. And the kids don't mind about just dropping out of those things either. And it, it's, it's absolutely wrong. It's absolutely wrong. So let's, let's dump those. Let's dump those things. But a squeaky wheel gets you off, squeaks too loud, it gets removed. You know, and um, look, why are the Grand Slam stars staying three out of five sets? I'm telling you, they're going to try to force feed those things through and get them to do different. They're trying to breed all these, all the three-set tennis out of juniors in college. Set in five, six years from now, most of them, if they do make pros, which, boy, it's tough to do when you don't get the reps of doing the right thing. It's too high of a too high of a climb. If you haven't ever played a third set match, how are you going to win a third set match? But the bottom line, they're trying to get they'll try to get the pros to do that. But why didn't it start at the Grand Slam level? Well, because the Grand Slam matters. It's really, really something important. It's not a throwaway event, you know. So, folks, here, here's here's the biggest thing. Look, let's prevent the abolition of tennis. Tennis will be around because there's enough people. I am not quit. I ain't quitting, folks. I am not going to quit it. <coughs> and uh, let's do our part to battle. Squeaky wheel gets you off. Squeaks too loud, it gets removed. Look, make points, but let's make a difference. Let's make a difference. And and I've got uh, more to say. Uh, check out that Instagram stuff. Hey, check out my book, Coaching Tennis. I think I've said it before, but... It was uh, rated number three um, bestseller, best coaching books um, out there. Uh, coaching tennis. Go to uh, 
Um, I guess you can go through Amazon and stuff. I haven't haven't done one in a while, but anyhow, listen, I'm um, I'm gonna hang in there and keep battling. You keep battling. Uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil. If it squeaks too loud, it gets removed. Be kind. Address issues, not people. And you can say pretty much anything you want to say. All that it takes for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. Let's go out and protect in the great integrity of our sport. See you next time. Come.